0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Wealth Tech Show. This is a CityWire podcast. My name is Ian Horn, and we're going to discuss the technology that is changing the face of financial services. Cryptocurrency is on the agenda again this week. Last time out, we discussed how American product providers are helping financial advisors buy crypto for their clients. This time, we're back in the UK and back in the CityWire studios with Catherine Wooler, UK and Ireland Managing Director at Crypto Wealth Platform, Daxi. Uh, Catherine's become something of a spokesperson for crypto. She's featured on the BBC and a growing... List of news outlets, including this one. Uh, so let's get into it. Firstly, Catherine, hello. Uh, welcome to The Wealth Tech Show.
1: Hi, thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. I've said Daxi. That's a name that most of our listeners aren't going to know right now. So quickly, Catherine. What does what does Daxi do, and what was your what is your route into the company? And also, am I pronouncing that correctly?
1: Yes. Yeah, we're um, Singaporean based. So uh, yes, a bit of a, a weird word, as it were. Um, so Daxi is a crypto exchange. So we are one of the places that you can purchase crypto. There's plenty of exchanges, hundreds and hundreds of different crypto exchanges uh, all over the world. Um, so we're in the UK. Lots of crypto exchanges are in some really weird and wacky, far flung places. So. Understanding, uh, understand lots of people in the UK don't necessarily feel comfortable with that. Um, the other thing that's a little bit different is we are not a trading exchange. So to, to our knowledge, we are the only exchange that is not aimed at day traders. Um, if you wanted to trade, you'd be going to a different exchange that has sophisticated trading tools and sort of different analysis. We're much more built for people that want to hold. So we describe ourselves as the only crypto wealth exchange. So we're not helping people trade. We're helping people that want to hold their crypto um, for sort of medium term um, appreciation. So uh, that makes us quite unique, actually. And we're, we're proud of that. We've got some really great relationships with accountants, IFOs, wealth managers are kind of our target audience. Um, and we're just not interested in a long list of coins. You know, there's nine on 20,000 different cryptocurrencies out there. Um, I think it would be fair to say there is a range of quality. Um, you could be probably quite realistic and say, look, some of that's toxic waste and we're going to expect some serious and significant consolidation. Um, so look, some of those exchanges have got hundreds of coins or they've got 800 pairs. Um, we're interested in a very short list, which is essentially about 15 different coins. Uh, so yes, that's that's Daxian and what we do.
0: Brilliant. Um, and th- those kind of coins, you've put them into, would it be right to compare them to a model portfolio of sorts?
1: Yeah, I think so. So uh, we will only be involved in coins that we believe have a reasonable chance of medium term success. So as I said, out of 20,000, there is just no way that they can all succeed. Um, so we take a, a quarterly view of which coins we think are, are sensible. Um, and we've also grouped those coins together, as you rightly say. So um, we're fairly well known for having put together sort of the better established, uh, you can't really say boring in crypto, but sort of the um, the, the better established um, we call them blue chip cryptos, investment grade essentially, So, which is Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum. Um, and we've also done um, a selection of altcoins, which we believe go fairly well together, uh, which is Polkadot, Stellar and Chainlink. Um, so yeah, we, I think just we often find that many of the people we're talking to are fairly new to crypto. Um, so really, we really want to be the exchange which takes um, one of our users from being you know, interested and intrigued and wanting to find out more. And really just going through that journey of saying, look, I need the information in a palatable and non-patronizing way to get me to that destination where I'm, I'm happy to purchase some crypto. Um, and the, the best way we found of doing that is being education led, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about in, in this conversation. And also if we just put together cryptos that, that go together with an investment thesis, that, that's that been very well received. Because ultimately, you know, you wake up in the morning and think, yeah, this crypto is interesting. I've seen it in the press. I've seen it as part of CityWire. I'd like some you know, very few people have got time to go through 20,000 coins. So we've tried to do the hard work for them and present the information in a way that that makes sense.
0: Brilliant. And Catherine, as ever, I have loads of questions after hearing all that. But but to go back a bit quickly, talk about yourself, because, you know, you're well, as we were talking about before we started recording, crypto has attracted such a range of people, personalities and all the rest from all sorts of different backgrounds. I think your your background's more in line with our typical listener, I would, I would think. But can you talk us through who you are and, and what got you into this space?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a bit of a nut for technology. So I'm not a coder. You know, I don't sit at home, you know, writing pages of, of beautiful code. But I'm very interested in what a technology can do for, you know, the financial services and banking industry. So um, my background has kind of had one foot in the old world, in the traditional, and one foot in the technology. Um, So my job, so I've actually been in crypto about four years, I should probably say four, four and a half years. Um, So I could see stuff about crypto in the press and I was already in sort of traditional financial services, You know, I'd done some work for an asset manager. Um, I was working in ATC derivatives. So I was working for a technology provider that was um, in Deutsche Bank City, UBS. We are in three of the world's top asset managers by AUM. So I was going to all these amazing businesses and talking to CTOs and COOs about this particular tech offering, which was in the cloud, which at the time was really unusual. And I remember thinking... These businesses have got one thing that small businesses don't, which is a really lovely foyer. But actually, (laughs) they've got some really, really grotty back offices, right? So I'm talking to all these people that are involved in you know, middle office and back office functions, talking to CTOs and COOs. And all I could see was, it took them 18 months to make a decision. You know, there might be something that they could, you know, a provider that they could integrate with that would save, you know, 90% of their costs. But there was just a little bit of not made here and we don't understand it. And what do you mean something trade critical is going in the cloud? And I was just thinking, you know, these institutions are not adapting fast enough. And that is why things like crypto and DeFi are eating their lunch and why all these near banks and payment providers have come in and just said, this is rubbish, you know, it's, it's cranky, it's bad service, it's poor value, you know, across a whole plethora of financial services. Um, and actually, weird enough, I'd done some work in peer-to-peer lending as it was kind of getting up and running, sort of, that would probably be, yeah, sort of about seven years ago. So I worked for what actually became Europe's largest peer-to-peer in its asset class. So I already had a sense of okay, well, technology can totally transform financial services. You know, even if it's just robo-advice, you know, it makes such a difference to the end user. So when I first started hearing about crypto, I was like, do you know what, I think I, I, I need to do some of this. So um, I at the time, and I'm still now in a relationship with a fintech CTO, so I sort of elbowed him in the ribs one morning and said, darling, I need some need to buy some Bitcoin. It's the one I've heard of. Um, and I'm just going to put 100 quid in because if I get it wrong or press the wrong button. You know, we can still afford to feed the kids and we're not going to lose the house. Yeah, so four and a half years ago, I bought my first crypto. But it was terrifying. You know, the interface looks like the matrix. The crypto industry as a whole has done itself no favors. It's very young, very millennial, very sort of, um, yeah, unapproachable. There's a sense of it's full of jargon. If you don't know, you're not welcome. And come on, granddad, you're past it anyway. And I thought... Yeah, know, that's wrong. That's not helping the crypto message spread to a broader audience. So actually, the sort of average age for, for DAXI is probably like 40 to 65. We've got some tax efficient routes, we take pension investment, we take some ICER investment. And I just felt that that needed to get to, you know, fra- to be blunt, the audience that had the wealth. And also for that generation of users, they've seen new technology. You know, I'm old enough to remember the world without the internet, my kids won't be. So actually, for that audience that has accepted and understood different waves of technology, there was no business saying, let us explain crypto to you. It's not going to take 12 hours. It's not going to be patronizing. You'll understand it. But actually, you're intrigued. And I've been through that journey myself. And obviously, fast forward to today, although four and a half years is nothing in any other industry. If you're a lawyer or a journalist or, or you know a dentist, you'd go, like, well, I've got pairs of socks older than that. But actually, for crypto, I'm practically grandmother crypto. So my journey personally has been from the traditional to the new world. And I just really acknowledge and personally know how scary that is to kind of take that first, first sort of leap really.
0: For sure. And you're absolutely speaking the language of the Wealth Tech Show. It's similar kind of conversations that I've had with people making those exact same observations that have led me to to making this series and, and, and growing it into what it is now. So. Yeah, I think there's so much room for innovation and the crypto space doesn't have to be crypto bros, does it? And it doesn't have yeah. to be to the moon. It doesn't have to be all that kind of stuff, which I think clouds any serious analysis of the space. Yeah, really. and look,
1: it's, it's super cheesy. And one of the things that, you know, when I met the founder for Daxi all those years ago, um, we ended up having a seven-hour meeting in uh, Heathrow Terminal 5 where he outlined to me his vision for the business. I actually said to him, Daxi needs to be education led. So we'll be an education business that happens to have a crypto platform, not the other way around. So um, we have a platform as part of the business called Daxi Learn. If you Google it, you'll find it D-A-C-X-I Daxi Learn. Uh, And we put out, we believe we're the only crypto business that's got CPD accredited content. So particularly for financial professionals, we're the only people out there saying, don't FOMO it, don't moonshot it, don't cheese it up, just give a very sensible level and, you know, risk sensitive view of crypto. Because, I'm not someone who's out crypto saying, don't worry about the regulation, don't worry about the volatility and sell everything you own and buy this, including your 98 year old grandmother. That is not good for the industry. And it sure as anything is not good for, for the retail investors and, and the users. So Daxi Learn has provided CPD accredited content both to users, but also to a broad range of financial professionals. So a couple of months ago, we obviously were out of COVID now, which is fantastic. So we took um, actually took that on the road, as it were, and we had professional speakers from uh, sort of a broad range, whether they were compliance, regulatory, or law, or we do a lot of speaking um, with BDO, just to take that message and it's free. You know, we don't charge for it. You know, you can come and absorb a hundred hours of education from Daxi Learn and say, no, nope, crypto is not for me, or it's interesting, but I'll use another platform. So, Daxi Learn has really received um, a very uh, welcoming um, reaction from a broad range of financial professionals, and actually, we're now rolling out, interestingly enough, um, that CPD accredited content to a a number of organizations that we're collaborating with that said, my goodness, we are so hungry for this content, Catherine. Please provide it. And we always do it for free because we're so passionate as a business and myself um, about spreading that message in a palatable format. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's part of the tech battle, isn't it? You always have to convince yes. people of why they should care and why they should know about things. Yeah, and sure. then we can start implementing. Look, Let's go to, um, I want to actually touch on something that was discussed in last week's podcast. We had Ben Cruikshank from Flourish Crypto based in the States. And Ben was explaining how he helps financial advisors out in the States to invest in cryptocurrencies. Again, similar to Daxi, it's, it's mostly the mainstream coins, you know, the other blue chips, as you, as you called them earlier. Um, and, and you said you were talking to wealth managers and financial advisors, or at least that was your target audience. I'm really intrigued by that. What kind of conversations are you having right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I think it'd be fair to say they're intrigued. They've heard about it. They want to know more. And again, look, you know, I think it'd be fair to say, the average age of a financial advisor and a wealth manager, there's not millennial. You know, they're, they're a slightly older audience. They've seen new technology come in. So I think we're just seeing a lot of, my my customers are asking me about this and I don't know what to say. And for me personally, I've always found it a bit of a bitter pill to swallow when sort of the financial service community is saying, oh my goodness, don't touch it with someone else's barge pole. Well, yeah, I, I, I I'm kind of sympathetic to that. It's volatile and it's new okay, but do you know anything about it? No. And that, to me, that doesn't make sense. So we've tried to take, as I said, sort of an education-led message out there. And I think there's um, certainly a receptiveness to that message. But I think as an industry, I think financial services and banking is fairly early on in how they are you know, looking to, to consume that. So we actually went to the AccountEx exhibition um, at the Excel a few weeks ago, probably a month ago now. There's tens of thousands of accountants. And every single one of them was saying... My customers ask about this and I don't know what to say. So I think, you know, it's probably early on in that process. But I think, you know, my opinion is that there is no industry that will be untouched by crypto and blockchain. Um, To me, knowing about crypto today is like someone saying to you in, I don't know, the mid 90s, this dot com boom is coming. Um, There's going to be this thing called Amazon and this thing called Facebook. You should understand it. Or like someone saying to you in the early 90s property is going to be amazing, buy as much of it as you can for your wellies. So, you know, we're at the foothills of crypto and I think any sort of financial advisor or wealth manager worth their salt should go through that education process.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And also when we're talking about Um, advisors and wealth managers getting involved, I I find that whenever I write any of my articles on crypto, I always make sure to include at least one or two sentences saying, I can understand why wealth managers and advisors don't invest in this. Sure. The regulation around it is, well, if I were in their shoes, I wouldn't feel confident. Of course, yeah. Investing right now, which which brings me on to the FCA, uh, the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, I know that DAXI has applied for the FCA crypto license. Um, and I, I don't want to get you in trouble here. Obviously, sure. talking bad about the regulators is <laughs> a bad thing, although you might have a, a good experience, who knows. But what I'd like to know is what is the process like of applying for that that license? And, and do you think any other kind of nations or regimes provide a blueprint for what we should do in the UK?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the easy bit. So um, there is a wide range of attitudes to crypto from regulators worldwide. I think there's a real dearth of joined up thinking. So on the one hand... You've got you know regulators that are um, you know really frosty. We'll, we'll, I'll pick on the US because obviously we're not applying for licenses in the US so that probably feels a bit safer. So the US is fundamentally unfriendly to crypto businesses. You've got other locations that have almost rushed to be as welcoming as possible because look, at one point we were a $2 trillion industry, right? So to ignore that, doesn't make any sense. So if you look at, say, Singapore, you know the home of fintech, um, or you look at parts of Europe, you know Lithuania and Estonia, they're saying crypto, you're welcome, come on in, and we have a regulatory framework which you can work within and you know will be helpful. So you know, crypto is it's an off, it's an overused phrase, a global asset, twenty four seven, but mm-hmm. you know it genuinely is, and there are some exchanges that say, oh, you know, well, you know, so the attitude is essentially. We're floating in cyberspace. We're beyond the regulator. And, and that's not great for the users, right? So I want to know as a user, if something goes wrong, where I take my legal action, right? So, you know, at a company's house, is there someone who's a director? Is there a regulator where the FCA can knock on their door and say, oi, you know, we can bring measures against you? So I think, you know, it will be very interesting to see in the next sort of three to five years, essentially what's happening, and particularly in the States actually, is that, you know, you're trying to jab... You know, around peg in a square hole. You know, you're using regulation that was written in the 30s to try and judge modern digital assets. So I think certainly next, to three to five years, I'd be very interested to see, and I would expect to see um, a much smaller range of attitudes to crypto. I think there'll be a lot more joined up thinking between regulators, and I think one of the things that will engender that is, of course, these digitised currencies. So it's estimated that about 80% of the world's banks are looking to use central bank digital currencies. So. Whilst I'm not suggesting for a minute that, you know, the British pound will be a thing of the past and we'll all be using Bitcoin, of course not. But, you know, even in the UK, you know, we're looking at having a digitised currency. So there's going to need to be a better framework. And I think there's just going to be more kind of emotional understanding and intellectual acceptance of crypto kind of as a concept. So I think that's probably globally in the UK. And obviously I'm I'm loath to disrespect our regulator. And actually I think, you know, I think it's worth saying I get a bit of flack within the crypto industry for being pro-regulation because actually there's two things. It, it's a better, um, it, it's a much safer marketplace, of course, for the retail investors and it takes up bad players. So I don't think anyone on their right mind can say regulation is a bad thing. Unfortunately, there are some people in crypto that are very kind of, oh, crypto's decentralized. It's immune to government interference, you know, two fingers up at the authorities. And that's a really great idea if you're 19 in your mum's basement. It's not a great idea if you've bought some Bitcoin and you're desperate for it, it to get to $100,000, right? Because you need it to interact with the old world. So most of what I write about for the press, and obviously I do have a full-time day job as well, but I write for a wide range of you know, UK publications, be they're kind of the nationals or crypto or banking or fintech or whatever. I'm always saying regulate more, not less, takes the bad players, better for retail users and of course better for institutional investors. So, I think in the UK, the FCA, it's not the first time they have been slow to address a wave of technology. So, you know, it's an oft-told story. Peer-to-peer CFDs, you know, they were, you know, a, a bit slow to, to understand it. So, as someone that does sit on discussions with the FCA, um, yeah, frankly, per I put it in the press, and I'm always getting slagged off by the crypto firms say, no, no, Catherine, that's not what crypto is about. Um, I'm hugely for it. But my interpretation of, the conversations I've had with the FCA is A, they were slow to do it, right? Could have done with being a couple of years earlier and they just didn't really understand it. So some of those conversations I've had, I have been explaining stuff about crypto before we got as far as kind of the regulatory piece. And look, I've put in the press, you know, there's been interactions between the regulator and crypto firms in the UK that were marked by mutual fear and loathing, right? And that's not a great foundation. So particularly where we had... Um, you know, an influx of applications they weren't expecting from crypto businesses that were desperate to do the right thing within this temporary permissions list. We're literally a couple of years behind the curve from them being slow to the party in another couple of years because they had more applications than they expected. So for firms that are keen to do the right thing, as, as we are, you know, they're only really today looking at the KYC AML piece. Um, so that's great. You know, clearly we can't have crypto being an easy target for laundered money. You know, and there are exchanges that have fallen foul of that. So we have you know, FCA standard policies. We're bringing in all these policies that our users want to see, whether they're, you know, conflict of interest policies or treating customers fairly or a complaints policy. All stuff we don't have to have, but we think are good for our users and good for the sort of corporate relationships we're trying to sort of get together. But I would really like to see the FCA take a broader view of regulating crypto. So they've started with the KYC and AML, which I, in my view is the most important bit. They're now looking at the advertising because there's been some seriously suspect advertising of crypto products.
0: Sure has, yep.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, whether it's stuff on the tube where, you know, from someone from a traditional fully regulated background, it brings a tear to your eye. You know, I've got a head of compliance and a head of marketing and a um, commercial director who've all come from regulated backgrounds. Great, come in and regulate the advertising, but actually there's a much broader piece there. And to me, the FCA is probably a couple of years behind the curve. And for the firms that want to do the right thing, um, that has been substantially frustrating. And that is the most politically correct answer I can possibly give you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I,
0: I, I totally get that. I mean, I, also, I saw those adverts in the tube as well. The, the whole Sheba's going to the moon, which yes, was yeah. great. It's nice cartoons there to get everyone on board. Uh, yeah. And actually, funny enough, talking about the FCA, um, the FT ran a piece on the 30th of March. Uh, and I've got this quote from it from Lisa Cameron, who's chair of the UK Parliamentary Group on Crypto and Digital Assets. Uh, and Lisa said, the lack of clarity from the FCA... Has presented huge challenges to firms in terms of business certainty. We are now hearing of firms actively leaving the UK as a direct result of the FCA's approach, which will cost the UK in terms of jobs, talent, and revenue. So yeah. I think I think you gave a nice kind of polite and balanced view of it, but clearly these frustrations aren't,
1: yeah, sure. aren't in yours know. alone. I feel very strongly that, you know, the the UK government is so keen that the UK is the home to fintech and you know, we have, you know because it's such a huge revenue generator, right? The fintech industry is, you know, we're, we're the home of financial services. We're, you know, a global banking hub. It makes sense f- to be a fintech hub. And every time I see Rishi Sunak saying, you know, we welcome fintech business. And actually he often picks out crypto actually. My heart sinks a little bit because I think actually I'm MD of a crypto firm. We have six offices in six countries. And actually my experience of having worked globally in previous jobs and working for a global business I don't feel that the regulator has been welcoming, and that is in you know strict contravention to what you know our senior politicians are saying. And I think you know that's to the detriment of you know, fintech is an industry, crypto is an industry, and it's certainly to the detriment of our users.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. So you'd think you know post Brexit UK, you're looking to be innovative and different. This would surely surely fintech and crypto would be the focus. Yeah, and we're hearing the right things though now, aren't we? Do, do you have confidence that things will improve?
1: Yeah, so look, we're um, active within Innovate Finance. So um, Innovate Finance wrote a beautiful letter of which I was a co-signatory. So it said, look, the Khalifa review is uh, a year old now. So this is a few months ago. Um, You know, we acknowledge there has been significant progress in terms of the recommendations that were made, but there's a lot more to go. And it picked out regulation, it picked out crypto. Um, And indeed, that made the front cover of some publications, which I'm really proud of. So I think we probably do need to hold our politicians to account. And crikey, you know, COVID is, or yeah, the, the recession that's following COVID is such a challenge to, you know, individuals and families and businesses. I think, you know, we'll be missing a trick if we don't hold our government to account you know, on those issues. And look, you know, we're active with Innovate Finance. You know, there's a number of trade bodies which represent fintech and represent crypto. And they're quite rightly making a lot of noise. Um, and DAX is a business, you know, has memberships and supports that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and let's go back to, again, something I discussed in the last podcast, which was the, well, the the, the crypto winter kind of version two or three, or whichever winter we're on right now, um, which has been caused by the, the Terra Luna Sure. Stablecoin collapse. Yeah. Um, firstly, I mean, we know this was regarded as a, a top ten coin. So, uh, out of interest, did you have any exposure to it?
1: Yeah, very limited. Um, look, you know, the, the noises were the right thing. You know, crypto is volatile. Yeah, and we're early as an industry, right? I don't think anyone that works in crypto says we've got it all worked out and nothing's ever gone wrong. And I think, you know, the the crypto winter that we had in 2018 and you know, arguably we've had six to nine months of, you know, moving sideways and prices dropping, you know, perhaps we've got a little bit ahead of ourselves, I think. Um, you know, and look, the, the Terra Luna situation has probably put crypto as an industry back at least two or three years in my view, because, you know, it's not it's not a good advert for crypto. And I think it's interesting that the regulators are often more worried about the stable coins because at least with the other cryptos, you're like, well, if you want to invest in Bitcoin or Ethereum or some Litecoin, you know, it's a bit like buying stocks and shares. No one knows what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. But actually for the stable coins, you know, whether they pose a systemic threat is really interesting. So I think globally, you'll see a lot of the regulators not attack. But I think they're a lot more focused on the stable coins rather than the other, you know. 19,900 and whatever. So, um, yeah, we had minimal exposure as a business. Um, But look, I think the message for anyone, you know, who is purchasing crypto is it's exquisitely volatile. And one of the reasons we're a holding platform, not a trading platform, is that rather than trying to, you know, get the timing exactly right, time in the market normally triumphs. And look, you know, crypto has been the best performing asset on the planet a couple of years in a row. Um, I'm positive about crypto In the medium term, you know, there isn't an asset manager or a bank that is not focused on crypto, right? So for me personally, having worked in it for four years, it's been so interesting to watch all those hedge funds and asset managers and tier one banks come from absolutely not, you know, don't go anywhere near, you know, no thank you to, oh, okay, well, we're just dabbling to actually we've got significant teams. And actually there's been a mass exodus of people in really senior roles from, you know, really, you know, successful large banks migrating into crypto, blockchain, and DeFi because they know it's the future. Um, so, yeah, I think um, the last nine months in crypto has not been fun. A lot of the major exchanges aren't recruiting. Um, of course, the VC investment, which is the lifeblood for crypto, is at an all-time low. But I still think for, you know, the sort of medium term, I think, the, you know, the outlook is, is, is good. And I think we've always got a bit ahead of ourselves.
0: Yeah, it's tricky because I, I take all your points about this being exciting. But you know, I think we, from the discussion we had before we recorded, we're both big fans of what this can become. Yes, and yeah. at the same time, there's some things we have to clarify here, aren't there? Like, you know, calling certain coins blue chip makes sense to do that. And at the same time, one of them could be an algorithmic stable coin which can collapse. So how do you how do you kind of marry that up? Because we're looking at an investment which does it does have similar properties to something like high risk venture cap, I guess, in the sure. sense that some will succeed, some won't. So Yeah, how how do you kind of dance around that terminology?
1: Yeah, sure. So look, we're not an advice business. You know, we don't go out and do full fact finds and, you know, tell people what to do across a broad range of investments. We're a crypto business. Um, We're awash with warnings to make sure people understand the risk. The FCA, quite rightly, is coming in to make sure the adverts are sensible. And I think the Section 21 will transform the industry in terms of, you know, let's be blunt, what has been fundamentally irresponsible advertising. And look, what's appropriate for someone in there you know, mid-twenties that's looking for a bit of diversification is clearly different from what someone in their, you know, early 90s is looking to do. So as I mentioned, we're education-led. We want all of our um, users and our professional relationships to to have, you know, an, an educated view of what crypto does. I think diversification is key, and I think not overexposing yourself is key. And it's been very interesting for me personally over the last couple of years. I'm fanatically pro-crypto. I think it's great. I personally hold a significant proportion of my wealth in crypto, Right. But actually, there's a whole audience of people that are outside that, you know, crypto, what's the word? You know, you, you fall into a pit of crypto and you just you spend you know, three days in Google asking yourself a thousand questions. But for people in the old world to say, actually, there probably is an investment thesis here that says you should hold 1% of your global net assets in crypto from someone who's outside the crypto world, I think is, is really interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: And and there's a lot of talk on the website about Daxi, you know, having a long term approach. Yes. And I I find that interesting because, again, how do do you mitigate the risk? I mean, Bitcoin was launched in 2009, right? So how can we talk long term about something that's maybe 13 years old?
1: Yeah, sure. And look, let's be clear, you know, it's down 57% from its, you know, top price, right? So we don't want users that don't have the appetite for that, right? And I think... Anyone that buys Bitcoin thinking, well, it's definitely going to double this year. That's just not you know, a good position to be in. So I think one of the reasons why we've got 15 coins, not 200 like some exchanges do, is we think there's only a viable argument for a small list. And you know, we're very focused. We don't, for example, I know you just mentioned Shibu. We don't sell Shibu. We don't have any Dogecoin. Um, we don't sell Ripple. You know, we're very fussy about what we pick. And I sit on that Global Investment Committee, which once a quarter says... You know what coins are out there that we believe in, what coins have we got that we think actually aren't doing so well now. So, we're just trying to do some of that homework on behalf of our users and take those headaches away. But of course, whilst always bearing in mind, of course, it's volatile and that you know those risk warnings quite rightly need to be mm-hmm. there.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting like about less than 20 out yeah, of a big possible universe of what, about 20,000. Yes, sorry? just
1: shy of 20,000. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that's that's quite what, what's the typical reason you have for excluding a coin? Is it, is it that most of them are actually. Like ponzi schemes or, or built on sand or, or is it yeah is it, sure or is it you need more of a track record how do you how do you figure it out yeah
1: sure so look we've got some coins in there that are quote newer unquote so you know um you know uh, chain link and polkadot dot being sort of good examples so um as part of that quarterly process we're looking at what coins are you know are new that we believe in you know what coins do we we stock that we think have done well, but actually there's more interesting stuff out there now. So, um, you know, we based on use case. So, you know, I know we've picked on some of the meme coins. So, you know, the Shiba and the Dogecoin, you know, at one point Dogecoin, which let's be clear is a meme. It's a silly picture, right? That was worth more than Barclays. Its market cap was worth more than Barclays. So you have to ask yourself intellectually, do you think that's a good idea? So I see it like, maybe it's a cute little picture that, you know, teenagers will put on their homework folders. But do I think that the potential business case for that is better than Barclays? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, meme coins, no thank you. Um, we're very interested in coins that are useful within sort of the, the payments use case. And look, Bitcoin to me makes perfect sense. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the one everyone's heard of. It's the, you know, the one all the banks want. It's, you know, the ones that, you know, is sort of best established. And look, you know, it, any one point is like half of the market cap, right? And then if you look at that top twenty, the top twenty is typically between ninety-five and ninety-eight percent of global traded volume. So I'll say that again: there's twenty thousand, but yet of the top twenty, that can be ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of demand. So that is quite a frightening picture, actually. So if you look through that top twenty list, we don't want meme coins, um, coins that are ascribed to one platform. Great, but what you know, what happens to that one platform if the regulator takes a dim view? Um, that's not great and then actually out of that top 20 when you start crossing out the coins that are under significant regulatory scrutiny and or a meme coin you actually you're left with sort of 15 or so um, so yeah we're quite fussy about what we'll accept because you know we're the only platform I believe charging on an AUM basis so it is clearly in our interest for each of our users to see growth in their portfolio because you know that's how we charge and it aligns our interests with our users which I think is, is correct
0: yeah that's really interesting and Another thing is, are there, are there any aspects of the crypto market that give you cause for concern? And also, how can we encourage people to steer clear of the, of the scams and the frauds and all that kind
1: of stuff? Yeah, sure. So I think that, you know, that sort of fundamentally links to your your previous question, really. So with these 20,000 coins, there are coins that are putting their hands up and saying, oh, well, you know, we're a coin for NFTs or, you know, we're a coin for, you know, gambling or, you know, and there's some really wacky use cases, right? So I can get NFTs and And Web 3.0, and you know, oh, you know, with metaverse. That that in terms of trends makes sense to me. And then you get some really niche ones like, oh, we're a coin, so you can spend it within a sex website and your wife will never find out. And you think, oh, yeah, I'm not sure what Matt My Portfolio sounds a bit. And also sounds too (laughs) niche, frankly. Yeah. So to my mind, all those interesting trends, NFTs, Metaverse, Web3, crypto is the rails on which those trends will be delivered, right? So if you think NFTs are interesting, I personally haven't bought NFTs. They all look like A-level art projects to me. I think NFTs are interesting in terms of the broader trend of tokenization, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, NFTs make sense to me. Do I want to buy an NFT? No. Do I want to invest in crypto, which will benefit from that trend? Yes. So I think there's a short list of credible cryptos. Those are the ones on our website and those are the ones I'm personally interested in. So in terms of... Um, staying clear of scams, I think. Education-led, due diligence-focused, obviously, always good advice. Um, reputable exchanges that you check out, is there an A-plus rating? Um, in terms of technology, you can look at Mozilla Observatory, which is independent. To say, is this technologically a good platform? In terms of coins, steer clear of anything you see on social media. Kim Kardashian looks great. I love her makeup. How <laughs> am I going to take investment advice from her about crypto? probably not. Um, So yeah, anything which someone is saying, oh, it's a shot to the moon, it's FOMO, a celebrity has backed it. Uh, Not for me. Um, Sensible coins with a solid use case where someone's given me uh, all the analysis and all the the homework, and it's presented in a way that I can palatably consume it. Yes, please.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Because again, there's reports on this and some studies on social media and, and finfluencers or whatever you, you want to call yeah. them. Uh, you know, one in 10 people under 25 use social media to get financial advice. Yes. Which is interesting. And that's compared to the 3% in that cohort who've paid for financial advice. Obviously, that's not the target market for advisors. Sure, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. And yeah, these people have no accountability. So yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's odd because I, I spent a lot of time on, on Twitter when I first started reading up on, on DeFi sure. and crypto. And my goodness, I I don't, I don't think there's a huge, well, for all the good information that's out there, it's awash with terrible information and things that would place your psychology, right? Make you feel like you're missing out or make you feel like um, you're you're an idiot for not getting involved or vice versa or so on. So you're in an interesting space there. Sure, yeah, yeah. do, Do you get, you know, what kind of interaction do you get from, the kind of retail investor is it is it quite informed or do you do you get quite a broad spectrum
1: oh yeah very much a broad spectrum so look you know for the youngsters to say oh you know i've seen this great meme coin on tiktok you know i'm going to put some cash in i mean that that just scares me and look it's not an audience we've got our users are kind of as i mentioned sort of 40 to 65 so i think our we seek to be the um platform of choice for someone that wants to get from curious to making their first purchase. So generally if people come to us they are early on in that process but I'm I'm sure you'll acknowledge that once you get interested in crypto it is it's just obsessive, and I used to have a joke that when I go to a dinner party and someone says, "What do you do for a living?" I just say, "Teacher," because it's just so much easier than, like, "Oh, I'm MD for a crypto business." Oh goodness, you know, and they've got you know a thousand questions. So yeah, I've just been saying I'm, I'm a teacher at dinner parties for about four years because it's, it's much, much simpler. <laughs> yeah, makes
0: a lot of sense. Um, all right, so yeah, as, as you just touched upon a, a second ago as well, we should talk about some of the the innovations that are going on around around blockchain and crypto. Um, one thing is you've got uh, the Daxi chain. Yes, Uh, which is uh, has intrigued me, and it facilitates sorry tokenized crowdfunding, not tokenized, which is not a word. Um, Yeah. So how does that go beyond the the crowdfunding of today? I I saw a mention of of kind of crypto four point oh. Yes, I wasn't aware we were doing those numbers yet, but yeah, sure. Yeah, talk me through Daxi Channel. Oh, you say
1: that. Jack Dorsey's come out today with uh, web5 so Web 5, I mean, if you it's, go to bed overnight you just wake up to all these things you don't you know don't know anything about I mean just it makes my them.
0: headlines really easy. It does <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> keep going that that'll make my life straightforward. But yeah anyway these, these innovations what what's Daxi chain and what what, what are you do? Yeah, with that? Yeah
1: sure. So look there's a whole um industry which is um jumping up around decentralized finance. So the the argument for crypto is it's cheaper, quicker, more efficient and probably fairer. So I'm not one of these people in crypto that says, oh, we're going to wipe banks off the face of the earth. You know, this time in two years, there'll be no bank in the world because it's not realistic. And look, your 98 year old grandmother's not going to go to the shops and pay for her, you know, weekly shop with Ethereum. So decentralized finance means that there is no one central body in charge. Um, There is a broader... Uh, drive towards tokenization so look stock markets are fairly inefficient you need to be a really sizable company to get yourself you know a a stock market listing so tokenization holds that literally anything can be tokenized into a fairly small unit and actually the peer-to-peer guys and the crowdfunding guys got got there way earlier yeah they got there kind of 10 years before crypto really so whether you're i don't know a school that's trying to raise for a new science block. And it used to be, oh, well, you know, if you put in 50 quid, you know, you can buy a brick and name will be on the brick <laughs> or whatever. Or, you know, whether it's, you know, and that's a, a small example, or whether you're saying, well, actually, you know, I do want to buy um, into a business in the US, but it just takes so long to onboard with, you know, all the AML and KYC on the other side of the planet with an American stockbroker. Would it not make more sense if I could do that in a crypto sense? And of course, I will AML myself and onboard with a crypto business. So... For us at Daxi, we are really excited that we could tokenize um, for much smaller businesses than are currently on the stock exchange. Um, We're interested in tech businesses because we feel that's where the scalability and the profitability is, of course. Um, and look, I think VC's had it too good for too long. They invest in a, you know, broad range of businesses and hope that like one or two out of a hundred do well. Um, I've worked with VC-led businesses. It wasn't a pleasant experience. They want blood and, you know, half your liver. Um, you know, it's not great for businesses. You know, the terms are fairly draconian. And actually, if people that want to invest in up-and-coming businesses, um, you know, it's quite hard to access them. So we seek to provide access to a broad range of businesses. We also get... All of calls all sorts of people that say um oh i'm trying to raise for this really interesting thing it's it's wonderful and we say look um our platform users are will be looking at tech businesses Um, however we're willing to white label our technology so it's a really good use case for our our coin which is the Daxi coin and look you know if literally weekly i get a call from someone saying you know oh um I want to tokenize, you know, some, some art, some modern art, where I want to tokenize, you know, some vintage cars or some fine wine. And we said, look, that's not a marketplace we're comfortable with. Um, but equally, the technology is out there to do so. And I think, you know, you'll see pretty much anything tokenized. I think it will provide a much better value to, you know, retail investors that are looking to access. Um, and I think it's better value for the businesses. And I think it's not seeking to, to, um, to sort of try and, take over or surpass, you know, major stock exchanges. You're talking about those, you know, small and medium-sized enterprises that, you know, it's a really broad church, you know. We're not talking about, you know, a two-person business, you know, which your next door neighbor runs. We're talking about, you know, SMEs, which are the lifeblood of our economy. So I think post-COVID, it's going to be much needed.
0: Yeah. I actually think when you're talking about the the coin running on the chain or the Daxi coin, that actually highlights something I was, I was going to go on to, which is that I I looked at your company's Trustpilot reviews, as I, I tend to do when I can. And the review's generally pretty good, but there's a couple of one-star ones in there. But do you know what? I'll be I'll be fair to you here. Almost all the one-star reviews I saw, and people can see it, it's on Trustpilot, um, are basically people who think DaxiCoin was designed to go to the moon. Again, like we were talking about earlier. Do, do you find that fundamentally a bit frustrating that people... You know, expect every coin to be a big speculative win. Yeah,
1: sure. And look, you know, I'm not here to give anybody investment advice. And I think if you're purchasing any coin and thinking it's going to, you know, go up by, you know, 8,000% over a week, then you are likely to be disappointed. So I think, you know, crypto has shot itself in the foot a bit with a lot of that kind of FOMO moonshot language, really. So look, we're a business which we're building out for the medium to long term. We're not interested in that that quick buck, really. And I think one of the things we've tried very hard to do is be as accessible as possible. Um, so we have loads of these AMAs, these ask me Anything. things. Um, we try and have a face and be real rather than just being kind of a a sort of a faceless business floating in the ether. So we're in the press a lot. We're very accessible. We have big sort of ask me anything um, conversations as well. And I think, you know, it's difficult. You know, when I got into crypto, I thought, you know, I don't know if I'm comfortable just dealing with a business that's faceless. And look, there are exchanges which are decentralized. They're not a company's house. They're not on LinkedIn. You don't know who, you know, they are. They don't have any KYC and people are, you know, sending them enormous amounts of crypto because you can trade crypto to crypto. Of course, they're not onboarding fear and that really frightens me. So I think, you know, as a business, we we want to be at the if there is such a thing, the boring end of crypto.
0: Yeah. Well let's finish on a high, because obviously crypto and blockchain, the whole point is they're facilitating this new this new world. Well it's new commerce kind of a new a new kind of way of doing things. So for you personally, Catherine, what, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for for crypto assets?
1: Yeah, sure. So look, um, um forgive me, I've said this once in this interview already, there is no industry that will be untouched by Uh, blockchain right Um, and I still think it's just a wave of technology which we're at the foothills of you know we're so early on so if you look at web 3 you know we started with the web being basically a notice board so you were saying hi we used to put adverts in the post office you know notice board the internet now means you can access information anywhere we're now in a situation where people will be essentially leading a portion of their lives online so you never say oh I'm going on to Amazon Amazon to e-commerce a transaction you just say oh goodness me i need some sellotape amazon's the easiest way to achieve that because i'm at work all day today so the e-commerce is is part of life right it's just there we accept it and i think if you look at what's happening with web 3.0 you've got ar you've got ai people will be living more of their lives online and crypto is the rails that will deliver that um, and look, of course, out of 20,000 coins, the vast majority, you know, won't be part of that. But a shortlist will. And I think for those people that know about crypto today, it's like knowing about dot com. It's like knowing about property earlier. And um, there's going to be some people that make huge amounts of money if they're in the right coins at the right time.
0: Mm-hmm. And actually, do you want, can I draw you into prediction? How long do you think it will be until financial advisors and wealth managers are properly integrating this?
1: Yeah, sure. So look, I think they are being... Uh, dragged into it kicking and screaming, to be honest, because it's led by their customers, right? So I would be very surprised if there's an advisor or wealth manager that hasn't been asked about crypto in the last 12 months. And particularly when the prices are doing well, which of course they're, they're not right now in, in all fairness, um, that will be client led. And if the industry as a whole does not start taking crypto more seriously and offering their um clients advice and of course you know r- balanced risk sensitive advice of course about the right coins if they don't start doing that their customers are just going to go and do it anyway so i think um it probably is a little bit being dragged kicking and screaming but i think in the next couple of years what we really need is some of those big advisor networks to start saying yeah we can advise on it which i totally appreciate right now in terms of sort of regulatory framework is difficult but I think we can get that regulatory piece there and the big networks taking it seriously and providing guidance and I think it will have a much broader reception and look the FCA does research it says every year more people are buying it yeah. you know and actually you know they want that the advice you know they want that support and unfortunately if that's not there you know that's going to be you know an issue on both sides
0: yeah I know and again this keeps coming up I think, I think Gemini's research suggests 18% of the UK is already invested Yeah, the FCA is numbers are close to, I think, 5 or 6%, something like that.
1: And look, they double nearly every year, right? So I'm not going to patronise anyone listening to this with the maths, but if that proportion of the UK doubles every year, that is an astronomical growth curve. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're intrigued, come and find us at DaxiLearn. It's free. You don't have to pay for it or buy any crypto, um, but it will tell you everything you need to know.
0: Mm -hmm. And to that point, you also made about people being asked, again, last week's episode, I think it's 94% of US financial advisors have been asked by a client in the last six months about crypto, which is crazy. Um, I don't know what the numbers are here. Don't have that study, don't have that research. But as you suggest, it, it may well be kicking and screaming into the next the next era of financial services. Anyway, Catherine, thank you uh, for joining us on The Wealth Tech Show. Great to have you here. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm always intrigued by DeFi and that's why I'm committing serious time to talking about it. And I don't think the the latest crypto winter is a fatal blow. I think you share that opinion, Catherine. Um, Right. So that hopefully means we'll have you back a year or two from now as well to talk about things in more detail.
1: That'd be amazing. I'd love that. Thank you for having me.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Catherine. Anyway, thank you again to everyone who's listened in. I'm Ian Horn, and this is The Wealth Tech Show. We'll be back again next week.